This is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay, and uh, Norman is not here. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. As always, we are sponsored by Central Works New Play Theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And I have a special guest, one who is near and dear to my heart, Max Chang. Max, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, we last saw each other in 2018. We were doing Foreman in Paris, and I was, uh, as well as the writer, the stage manager, and you were assisting us, and you were just all over the mm-hmm. place helping out, and you even had some time on stage. And since then, you've been doing all sorts of just fantastic things, so... Um, well, what's been going on? How are you feeling this weekend? I've been feeling great. I've been <laughs> a very busy week. Very busy week. Both um, some professional stuff and some personal fun stuff. So um, the most recent thing that I just did, I was uh, volunteering for the uh, Show Me the Funny competition that's happening at Pletos. Uh-huh. And that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So um, stand-up comedy is a thing that I've been just getting into, like, uh, recently, and it's been something that I've been waiting for years to kind of, like, uh, try my hand at. Yeah. So, it was great to just kind of, like, be there and just kind of, like, help out. And not, like, for me, the most rewarding thing, honestly, was just kind of, like, speaking to other comics and asking their advice on, you know, how they navigate the industry and, you know, just, I've always been about, like learning from observation and yeah. just learning just from talking to people. So. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. You and Priya Gaijin. I mean, uh, both of you guys have really dived into comedy, and uh, it's something I could never really do. I mean, there are occasions where I'm funny, but I always have this feeling that comics are always on, regardless mm. <laughs> of what time of day <clears throat> it is or whatever. And um, so... And also, it can be brutal. I mean, you know, you can bomb on stage. I mean, oh you God. can. <laughs> and I don't know if I, you know, there are a lot of folks who do not want to deal with that. I think of the movie, what was that movie that Tom Hanks was in and Sally Field? Um, may, may have been a while back. It was all a punchline. Punchline, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all about the brutality, the ins and outs of comedy, stand up oh, yeah. comedy. So I imagine it's like that. Oh, my God. The music has gone back on. Here, let me. Uh, it is great music. Let, let me though. silence it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Funk. I love my funk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we'll learn more about you and like mm. you know where you came from and where you're going. Uh, there've been a couple of current events that's been going on. Obviously, the the midterm elections are are happening. And oh yeah. Tuesday, we'll find out if Democrats will hold the House and Congress and that sort of stuff. Um, I've been, there's been a lot of anti-Semitism going on. There's Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, I don't know if you know, he's, yeah, yeah, he's the basketball player for the Nets. And, uh, you know, I thought he was a regular nice guy, but all of a sudden he's uh, sponsoring, I guess there's a movie that sponsors anti-Semitism and he hasn't backed away from it. And now, you know, he's been kicked off of the Nets team or at least suspended. And for whatever reason, he will not let go of it, uh, just like Kanye, you know, Kanye right. West. So I, I really don't understand. I've, I've, I can understand racism, I mean, mm. as horrible as it is, and misogyny, but I've never really grasped my mind, especially why black people would be have a, have a problem against um Jews or whatever. Oh yeah, that's that's not good at all. No, no, it's not good at all. And I don't know if uh, if Trumpism has anything to do with it. Um, so there, there's that's going on. I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts about that. I mean, like I did hear about like the um, the news like Kyrie Irving was kicked off the Nets team, and I don't know um, 
what I heard about it, there wasn't a lot of information given about that. And I know just enough about like just his past history in terms of like the uh, the anti-vax stuff. For yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's that's right. And I, I totally dig, you know, like. Um, I remember when Kanye West had the uh, he had a he, he's trying to sell a shirt called White Lives Matter and he's very counter counter countercultural mm-hmm. and I understand the concept of being countercultural it's like uh, everyone is saying oh, this yeah. so I'm just going to say the opposite just to say that I'm not following I'm not being a sheep but then if, when you say things that hurt people I mean words do hurt and you know you can just say well it's just my thoughts and my opinions it, it's, it's not meant to hurt anyone. But it does, and especially if you have a platform, if you have thousands or even millions of people who want to be right. just like you, you know, there's a responsibility behind that. Absolutely. Um, I guess my first initial thing is like for me, I think that freedom of speech is a very important thing, and it's like hard to just kind of like, I mean, um, without trying to put like any political views on my sure. like on my side, right? Yeah. I just believe in the general sense that I think everybody's entitled to freedom of speech, right? I do also think you're also um, accountable for, like, some of the actions that happens afterwards and some of the consequences. And um, my opinion of it, I think Curry should, like, you know, he has his beliefs, but I also think that, you know, like, working on, like, a team with somebody that has those kinds of views would yeah. also make me feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> and right. I think there's bigger things than, like, you know, the sport of basketball itself and just... I think it's one of those things where you couldn't have a choice in that. Like, yeah. I mean, I just honestly wish that it was one of those cases where it's like, oh, he's just like being a diva. You know, like, oh. Yeah. I remember when uh, Charles Barkley, this is a while back, this is probably mm. dating me, but he had a commercial. It was a Nike commercial where he's like, I'm not a role model. So don't pay attention to me. And, you know, if mothers have any problems with what I say because your kids will parrot it off, that's not my responsibility. Right. You can have that idea. You can have that concept or whatever but at the same exchange you want these people to follow you you want these people to buy your products or to come to your games or whatever so you know don't diss a jewish person or a black person or an asian person and still want them to pay tickets to see you absolutely you can't have both yeah so there's that uh i found out a couple of days ago dragon theater is closing there have been so many closings there's the exit theater which is closing um i heard that um Theater Rhinoceros is no longer at the uh, Eureka Theater, so this will mm. be like their second time moving. And now the Dragon Theater, uh, I just feel so bad that um, a lot of the theaters, and I have memories, I'm looking at posters of some of these memories right. of theaters that um, they can't pay the rent, or um, people just aren't coming to the shows anymore. So it's right. it's it's really, really sad. Yeah. So there's that going on. Um, do you have any thoughts about Elon Musk and Twitter and all that sort of stuff? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, I think it's, for me, like a wait-and-see approach. I mean, I get the um, the fear fear about, like, you know, Elon Musk taking over Twitter and stuff. I just think that, you know, I feel like there's not a lot of info. On, like, just from what I see, mm-hmm. I personally don't see the outrage of it as Twitter's already, like, a big, like corporate organization as it is right i think um if i'm being perfectly honest it's just a lot of funny stuff on the internet just like oh i'm gonna quit twitter and stuff but like they're yeah. not that's the, that's the thing for me like 
the people who are like dead serious about like we're gonna we're gonna like delete all our Twitter is so ridiculous. Right? Yeah, it totally is. I don't understand why how. I don't understand how Elon Musk became the enemy or the evil person. I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand the whole hate the rich thing, and right. maybe Elon Musk is, you know, eccentric, and I'm not sure. I don't have a lot of information on Elon Musk, but, mm. you know, Tesla, Tesla has really transformed the automotive industry. You know, like, I think more electric cars are on the road, the better. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest, I hardly do Twitter anymore. I mean, I feel Twitter's sort of gotten old. I mean... People are more doing TikTok and uh, mm-hmm. Instagram, and I think there are a couple of other new things. I never know what's the newest thing. Right. Oh, I hear that Facebook is old. You know, maybe I'm geriatric because I'm still using Facebook. Well, from just my, from my experience, I feel like, I mean, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram—they're always going to be a mainstay, regardless what yeah. people say. I think that um, I'm sure there's like a downward trend with like these um, these um, tech companies, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you know like. For example, like I'm sure Instagram has a way bigger rich uh, reach mm-hmm. than uh, Facebook has, but I also think that you know, like, how do you follow celebrities? Like, you go through all these different like um, social yeah. media platforms, and yeah. Twitter still has its <clears throat> place, and Twitter still has a um, a huge footprint in terms of social media um, coverage. So yeah, yeah. And you're, I mean, you're a millennial, right? You would I see some millennial. So I, am. I think that, you know, you're on the edge as far as, uh, you know, what, it, do you do the Twitch thing or? Oh, do I do the Twitch dis- thing? Dis- I, Discord? I do the Discord thing. Okay. Um, I know friends who've done Twitch and um, it's a weird thing. You know, the funny thing for me, like I was thinking about this the other day and I think I made a, I may have done a bit on this, but it was like, I it's I find it weird how like stuff becomes popular in the first place. Like the idea of like somebody playing a video game and yeah. we're having an enjoyment of watching it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's like <laughs> man, like if I did this twenty years ago, like mm-hmm. when I started you when I had like a YouTube I'm not, I, I wanna make it very clear, it's not that I have a YouTube channel. I had a YouTube account. Yeah. And I was on there like oh six, oh seven when like it was just you know, like mm-hmm. smaller channels, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh, like Smosh, for example. I, mm-hmm. I think people recognize that. And I could have done video game playthroughs in '06, and I, I know, I, know, I would have <laughs> been a millionaire. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's one of those things that I, I go back to. You know, like when I was, I mean, I'm I'm sort of old enough to remember going into the arcades. Oh yeah, and when we couldn't play, we would like watch maybe because we're waiting for our next turn. But like Street Fighter, I'll be watching oh. you know these guys play. And now, like earlier today, because mm-hmm. I'll I jump on and I'll watch, let's say the Evo Challenge. Oh, I love those. esports and all that stuff. And. Guys like Infiltration and Daigo Umahara and all those guys. Mm. I'm sure folks on you know listening now is like, what are you guys talking about? But in any case, yeah, watching. I, I just love yeah. watching these guys, and I know I could never do the, the things that they do. <laughs> and they're making tons of money. I mean, esports is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that um, that esports is getting more of acceptance these mm-hmm. days and stuff because oh my god, like so. I grew like I was born in '96, so mm-hmm. I have experiencing like the tail end of that where i'm like you know i still like i remember my first console being a nintendo 64 when mm-hmm. like you know oh 40, wow yeah. yeah that's sort of old school <laughs> that is old school yeah and, and like you know like graphics 3d graphics in particular yeah weren't like advanced as they are today but it's like yeah. we had to 
have a lot of imagination mm-hmm. and a lot of just like you know emphasis on gameplay and it's like one of those like things where i'm like man practically man it's like it's a different feel like as it was back then as it compared to now and i'm glad that it's gaining more of an acceptance now because like mm-hmm. video games back then I don't think we're viewed as like as serious as an art form as it is now. Right, you're absolutely right. You know, if if a thirty year old were playing, let's say, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, Metal Gear Solid back in '96 mm. or something like that, you'd be considered a slacker or you know, yes. what's wrong with you or whatever. And now it's like, hey, you know, this is the thing that's done. You're probably the last generation that remembers the cartridge or will play yeah. with a cartridge because now nothing is. You hardly hold anything. I was talking about this with uh, our last guest, Catherine Park, and we were talking about how you don't really own, you can't feel it. Like, we were talking music. Yeah. Like, you don't have CDs anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have tapes anymore. Even MP3s on my computer, right. you don't even have that anymore. Everything is streamed. Yeah. Like, you don't even own your video games anymore. I don't know. I, I don't, you know... Maybe I have an issue with that, maybe not, but it's not an issue with you, right? I mean, it's it's the way that it is, but I mean, it's for me, like, um, as somebody who collects, like, um, video games mm-hmm. in their lifetime, and I, I'll, and a couple CDs, too, like, you know, like, some of my favorite bands back then, like, I I still remember, like, you know, and I can't believe I'm saying state, I'm saying I still remember, but this was, like, five years ago when yeah. I went to Rasputin's. Oh, yeah. Yes. I remember Rasputin. Yeah. Yeah. Downtown San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there was one, uh, San Leandro, and then one in um, Emeryville, I think. Yeah. I still think the Emeryville one is still there. Yeah. But there's nothing like a feeling of, like, just owning the physical, like, you know, copy of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And those days are gone. We might as well get into an origin story. Where were you born and raised, and how did the theater bug bite you? Oh, man. Um, So, I was uh, born in 96. Uh, June 1st, 1996. Gemini. Just like me. Gemini, yes! (laughs) Oh my god, yes. And, uh, yeah, I have this whole astrology joke that I probably... (laughs) It's gonna get me in trouble one day, so I want to apologize in advance. (laughs) It's all good. Uh, this is my, uh, pre-apology, but anyway. Um, yeah, June 1st, 1996. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born in Alameda, Alameda Hospital. Local boy, local boy. Yeah, yeah, so story of my, um... My uh, conception. Um, siblings? Do you have any siblings? I do. I have one. Um, I have one sister. Okay. And I have a half brother who I consider f- like full blood. Am sure. I? Um, so my mom. Um, I believe the story is basically that she, um, she left her previous marriage and she went to a trip to Mexico where she met my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad, if you, like, get to know him, he's a very, very talented, like, person. He's a musician. He does videography, all this other stuff. My dad's, like, a very, like, jack-of-all-trades type of guy. And he's, mm. like, been everywhere. So, yeah, you know, because um, he's been, he's done construction work mm. to photography, um and uh, he was a police officer in Mexico, too. Like, he's wow. been through it all. Mm-hmm. And I believe at that time he was, like, taking a break from, like, you know, the uh, police force stuff. And um, I believe he's working in a hotel. And my mom met him at a hotel. And, um, you know, my dad's a great singer. Mm-hmm. So he serenaded, serenaded her. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, things happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came back to the States, and then she found out that she was pregnant with me. Wow. That's a story. Yeah. Well, the 
unfortunate part about that was my dad was still in Mexico. Okay. So um, the thing was was that um, it took another four months after I was born for him to even get here. So mm-hmm. God bless my mom. Like, yeah. My mom raised me practically by herself, and I'm like, that is a strong woman right there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And not only that, like the um the thing about my birth too was that um that there was a little bit of complication in terms of like, you know this is me taking full accountability of it, but I was just like <laughs> apparently according to my mom, I was just not moving and mm. I was just staying there. So she had to get a C section to like, you know, get me out of there. And, you know, mm. it was like her going through all of that is like yeah. oh my god, I couldn't wow. imagine. So Having to go through, like, the whole procedure to all, like, just raising me on her own. Mm-hmm. And this is a, oh, this is a heartwarming story. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so, according to my mom, right, the four months that, after I was born, right, I was known to, like, cry when I was with other men. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not like being around other men. Okay. Like, yeah, I, it was like, what do you think of the baby? Like, I, I, I just couldn't, like, I would always cry. Yeah. So... My mom would, like, tell, talk to my dad and tell him, like, you should probably shave. You, you, if he knows that, you know, that you're a man, he probably will get upset at you. Mm. My dad forgot to do it. Mm. <laughs> so when I, um, when my mom, like, went to the bus station and my dad was finally coming in from uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. um, the first moment that we met each other, right... My mom approaches him, and according to my mom, I push my mom's like face out of the way, and I just embrace my dad. Wow, yeah. what a story! Like I knew, yeah, I knew at that moment, and it was like such a crazy like story that you know I could not believe that actually happened. Now, did your dad stay in America? He did. Yeah, um, he practically um, moved his entire life from Mexico to um, to the states. Yeah. Became a naturalized citizen. He went through, like, you know, the whole rigors of it. So, Oh, excellent. Yeah. My dad, like, literally, he put his entire life behind to, mm-hmm. like, you know, come to the States and, like, you know, raise me. And then my sister came along, like, years mm-hmm. later. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for the both of them. Like, Yeah. No, it really was a love story. Because you hear the other side of the story where, let's say, two people hook up and, yeah. you know, a woman says, hey, I'm pregnant. <clears throat> Dude's like, I don't know, want to deal with it, but no, oh, no, it sounds like he really, really loved and cared for all of you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful for that. So, um, were you the type to get involved in uh, theater when you were in school? Like, were there school plays that you were involved in? Man, um, when I didn't, um, let me think about this. Um, so, elementary school, I actually didn't get started there, but there was like um, hints of that. Like, for me, like, I'll say this, like, um, a lot of my earlier childhood stuff, it was, mm-hmm. like, I had a lot of pretty good moments, but I've also had a lot of rough moments. I was, like, I wasn't the most popular kid in school, and I got bullied relentlessly, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, it was just, like, one of those things where I'm, like, you know, had a tough time trying to, like, I guess trying to, not only fitting in, but just trying to find an identity. So, sure. So, it was kind of hard to kind of, like, you know have that confidence to like kind of like find that one thing that was like i was interested in like yeah and also too like i mean i remember back then too like i want to do sports i just didn't have like the physical gifts like you know to do it yeah but you know i've always had this drive and passion to find something Mm -hmm. um 
And for me, like, it was writing. That was, like, that one thing that I think a lot of, like, the teachers, like, when I was in elementary school noticed. Like, um, I would be writing at advanced level. And it's, like, one of the things, from what I heard, is that I have this way of, like, articulating stuff Mm -hmm. that not a lot of other people can. And um, I just kind of, like, kept on working on that. I did a little bit of reading, too, and that kind of, like, helped me kind of, like work like the english language and try to like Mm -hmm. you know be creative and i've always been like imaginative i was always like a storyteller at heart i've always said this like throughout my career is that i'm a storyteller at heart and i've always wanted to do stuff whether whether i'm like behind scenes or i'm like on stage or on film Mm -hmm. i want to do what's best for like the overall story and the narrative because i think there's so many great stories that we can tell not just mine but like everybody else's yeah so that's always been a goal of mine, and like I've always been fascinated about um, all these uh, storytelling like uh, techniques that um, a lot of these um, film writers would use. I used to be like you know really into film mm-hmm. a lot too when I was a kid, um, and I would say fifth grade for me the turning point for me to kind of like getting me on in terms of just like even. Like, speaking. Because that was the other thing. I was not the kind of speaker I was, like, I'd probably say now. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was super shy. I, like, I did not want to, like, socialize with people. Mm -hmm. But um, fifth grade, I ran for class president. And it was one of those things where, like, I didn't win. But one of the most rewarding things for me was Mm -hmm. I wrote a whole speech on my own. And I used, like, you know... Just, like, my own words, I did it, and it got, like, a rounding ovation for that. Like, hey, that is awesome. It, it, listening to you, there's so many parallels between you and I that you probably don't even know. Like, I was the first, for a while I was an only child, and my mm. dad was also a serenader. I'm looking at a picture of him right there. <laughs> he was a singer, and he had a band, and, yeah. you know, I'm sure he serenaded my mom. And... um and I had to, I don't know if I had to go through a lot of bullying. I mean, I think I, I went I went to school in D.C. and yeah. it was the Chocolate City, and all of us were sort of going through the same thing. Right. Especially in the '80s when you know drugs were sort of you know taking over the city. Right. So all of us had to go through a bunch of stuff. But I discovered writing also. I think I was around in the fifth or sixth grade. I had a teacher who really, you know, he was, she, I think she wanted all of us to do a short story. Mm. And I did one. I was like, okay, let me just do this thing. But I was very, very creative and imaginative. And <clears throat> I got into, like, Star Trek and science fiction and, and other things. And when she took a liking to one essay that I wrote, and she even rewrote it, mm. I was like, wow, she really sees something in me. And it's, it's special when a teacher or an organization says, hey, there's something special about that child. And it sounds like you went through the same thing. Like mm. when you gave your speech and you got a standing ovation, even if you didn't get it. I'm a little right. amazed that they had, you know, they, they had school class presidents in elementary school. They did. <laughs> that's, I, that's I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a thing now. Like, I know mine did. Okay, but hey, that, that's fine. But no, I mean, it sounds like it was a wonderful moment. Right. Um, did things get better in high school as far as just you finding yourself? Oh my god, I, it get prog- it got progressively better. Like once I've gone to middle and high school, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think middle school was a, still relatively rough. But it's yeah, that's when I started doing theater. That's mm-hmm. when I got started in terms of like getting up on stage. And the funny story about that is, is that. Um, 
I really didn't have a lot of knowledge about theater. The only thing I ever knew about it was from a Sweet Life of Zack and Cody episode. And uh, it's the one where they did Midsummer's Night's Dream. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, is that acting? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. And like I'm just like that sounds that sounds interesting. And then my uh, middle school um, mm-hmm. at the time, John Muir Middle School, um, they didn't have like a real like um, theater program. Mm-hmm. But like that year, um, I the teacher, um, Mr. Mr. Gardner, Tony Gardner, who right now, as a matter of fact, is playing um, Uncle Fester in like um, the Adams Family, Adams Family in like Pittsburgh Company. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He was my very first theater teacher, director yeah. ever. And I credit him so much because he got me started. He got me like, because um, I took an English class with him. Mm-hmm. And he was putting out flyers for like auditions for um, the show. I can't remember what the show was. I think it was like Frog Prince or something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Because like, I wanted to find an extracurricular activity. Um, and I took a shot at it, and the rest is history. Like, I just kind of, like, you know, just, like, I want to do more of this. And, like, I progressively got better in, in middle school. And then when I got into high school, like, I just did all the shows. So, yeah. And, I mean, like, as of right now, I think I'm, like, um, in terms of shows I've performed in, it's about 25, 26. And then in terms of, like, just getting involved in, it's, like, over 35. So, 35 shows? 35 shows, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's, like, a lot or too little. Like, you know, a little bit like... No, I mean, it's it's because <clears throat> a lot of folks who come out of college, they don't have anything on their resume. And so if you have something right. on your resume, then, you know, you're doing good. Now, did you go to college for theater? Um, That's the thing. So I did, like, nonstop theater mm-hmm. like from high, in high school. I did all the shows there. I did a couple like community theater shows. Like um, I was with Oz Theater at the time. It was in, located in Union City. Okay. So I did that, and then I did like all the shows in San Leandro High School, which was also like uh, another person I want to like think so much. John Sheridan, who was mm-hmm. like my high school director at that time. They had I had like two like for me. It's um, John Sheridan who like helped me out around with the. Um, like the regular plays and you know he would like i would take his theater classes he would and i would be like you know his mentor and mm-hmm. he was like he bestowed so much knowledge upon upon me that i kind i still use to this day like he taught me about like emphasizing words and like you know bringing a character to life so he's like one of my like favorite people in the world and uh, the other person i like to credit to is like sue ellen nelson who was like the musical director mm. and she's like phenomenal like she has so much knowledge about like musical theater how she works she's a great director Mm -hmm. very hard like on you sometimes but she does it because she know like she's trying to make you better yeah and like i appreciate that i really she made me a lot like so much better in, in terms of like you know as a performer so what happened was is that i did this um I did theater all throughout high school, and mm-hmm. um, after high school ended, and a lot of that was just kind of like a little bit of pressure from, you know, my mom, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I totally understand, like, you know, because theater, it's also one of those, like, businesses where you have to, like, you know, like, put the work in if you want. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And, you know, 
I decided, I guess, at the time, like, you know, um, I'm going to do this one last show. The last show that I did, like, in high school, like, after high school, before I took a hiatus, was um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and I got to play Beast in that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going out on a high note. Mm -hmm. Now, was that a musical? That was a musical, yeah. So you sing. I do sing. Just like your dad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think I could sing. And, like, people kept forcing me, like, you gotta... Like, because I wanted to get into all the shows. I loved musicals, observing them. I didn't like being in them at first. Mm -hmm. I was, like, so nervous, because, like, I would go into these, and I'm like, whoa, I don't know nothing. Like, she... Like, oh, like, sheet music and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... I, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm gonna be thanking people yeah. all around this like episode, but um, yeah, Dakota Lynn in particular, who was like uh, one of my first theater friends, he was so helpful to me, like in terms of musical theater. He mm-hmm. always, a couple of people like Philip Stanley as well. Those, uh, like people like them, like I really credit a lot yeah. in terms of like getting. Me I was better. thinking maybe your dad may have helped you. I remember when I the very first musical <laughs> that I was in was working, and it mm-hmm. was in uh, when I was at Duke Ellington School of the Arts. And it was my first time dad seeing me mm. sing on stage that wasn't affiliated with him. And right. he was like, wow, he was just blown over. And, uh, I mean, did your did your dad, um, I don't know, see you on stage for the first time? Oh, he hasn't seen, he's seen, like, almost all my shows. Oh, and, right on. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, how did he help me? I mean, he did it the old-fashioned way. He forced me to do karaoke. Is <laughs> that <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, man. And, like, that's the thing I love about my dad. Like, he will, like, he will push me more than mm-hmm. I think of myself. Like, he will tell, like, he will tell, like, everybody, like, like he'll t- he tells, like, everybody, like, his, right now, he's in Mexico right now. He okay. does um, a lot of, like, uh, property management out okay. there. Yeah. So, you know, he spends his time, like, doing that and he comes back to the States. And he'll mm-hmm. tell everybody in Mexico, like, oh, yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian and, like... <laughs> He's proud of you. Yeah, proud, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you this question, because we've had a couple mm. of guests on, like Molly Alice Cross, who is mixed Filipino and Jewish. Oh, yeah. And um, even Catherine Park, she's mixed uh, English and Asian. I think she's Korean. Mm. You are mixed, um, I don't know if what national your mom is, um, mm. but Mexican, Asian-Mexican. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel that you... Um, that I don't know how how is it how is it being um of a mixed race oh man i i uh i I kind of felt like that question like you you have to ask that question with me because like yeah like um it's a very um it's a very weird thing I think like first of all but I think it's like something that I'm very proud about mm-hmm. I know that like back then it was kind of hard to kind of like um figure out like i guess like cultural identity because it's like i mean i understand the struggle was like cultural identity in general because like you um like for example like you know like be being like you know mexican right mm-hmm. um the hard part of it is like when i'm in this country right i kind of feel like i don't fit with like you know like the other latinos that are in like you know my area and then like when i go to mexico it's like i don't feel like i belong here and it's yeah. and it's mostly internal stuff, and I think that, like, don't I don't think that gets talked about enough, especially with like mixed race like culture. Oh my god! Yeah, and, like, do, do people on your mother's side of your family do they embrace you? Oh, they embrace. They love me. Excellent. They love. Me. Yeah, Excellent. that's the best thing. Like, I've 
um, grew up in a situation where, like, you know, a lot of, like, you know, my family accepts, like, are very loving and accepting. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, my God, like, um, like my family on my mom's side, like, the hams and, like, my uncles, nieces, cousins. Oh, my God. They are the most supportive. Most supportive. And it, like, makes me happy. And, it, like, the thing for me for, um, years ago that, like, was one of the things that was, um, that was important to me. There was mm-hmm. two things for me. About uh, in terms of culture, number one was like um, for a long time I didn't really spend a lot of time in terms of like really identifying with that. Yeah. But when I went back to Mexico, like um, I would say last year, it was just kind of like one of those things where I'm like, okay, like you know, like this is my home, and it it, it, it took years. I mean, I used to go there all the time, but like as a um, as a twenty year old with a lot more um, stuff different mentally right Mm -hmm. coming in with a more mature mindset i was just kind of like okay this is like where i'm come from and i Mm -hmm. embrace that and the other thing for me was um i have this um asian friend named uh, thomas nguyen great actor Mm -hmm. he's doing a lot of amazing stuff and i look up to him like you know like because he's doing all these amazing stuff he's starring in movies he's work he's at uc berkeley right now doing shows and Mm. like the thing that we always talk about is that we want to, like, you know, um, do more representation for, like, Asian actors. Because I think that's definitely an area where I kind of feel like it's important for me. Because it's, like, I know my family was very proud of me, like, getting the Picasso role, like, recently this summer. And yeah. it was just, like, one of those things where I'm, like, you know, most of people in my, like, family on my Asian side have um, different occupations. So it's a very, like cool thing like mm-hmm. uh, i have dentists i have um people who work in the audio industry mm-hmm. like graphic designers like they're doing like amazing stuff and i'm like i'm the actor performer family so mm-hmm. to me it's important for like um i think especially like in in terms of like any culture it's representation is absolutely very important yeah and uh, it's something that we've also talked about i mean i've seen a lot of and luckily in the bay area community you we've seen a lot of um asian american um, performances and actors and writers uh really i do wonder sometimes do we see more stereotypical stuff like uh, there's crazy rich Asians? I've heard right. a lot of my Asian friends are like, "Oh, for goodness sake, please don't look at that and think that <laughs> that represents us," or or something like that. But I, I think that the Bay Area community is doing a, a good enough job. Right. I, like uh, I uh, a good friend of mine uh, was it Shotgun Players? They uh, recently did something. I think it was um, oh shucks, I can't think of the the show. But in any case. They had a good friend of mine, Julie Coabara, who is a Philippine American, mm-hmm. and she was in that. So we're seeing a lot of um, um, different Asian roles and 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 shows and performers and performances that show diversity. Absolutely, yes, and I think that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. By the way, I love Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> it's like I hear it's funny. I hear it's oh, very funny. it is. It is the funniest yeah like you know like i don't know like you know like the people that don't like it like subjective totally oh, sure. i totally respect that well i mean we get it in the black community too i mean there are people who right. love tyler perry and i'm like right. okay tyler perry's funny but please you know there's a difference between that and let's say a Spike Lee movie or you know right. something's more serious you can have a little bit of both i think yeah that's the thing i never looked at it as like crazy rich asians was like everything that oh I, like 
how'd I put it? Like, I don't think Crazy Rich Asians is the penultimate. This is what, like, you know, our representation is. I think there's plenty of that. We got, like, mm-hmm. plenty of, like, Asian actors. We got, f- like, shows like Fresh Off the Boat. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got actors like Steven Yoon, like, mm-hmm. who I'm a fan of, and Randall yeah. Park. You know? So we got, like, we got... <laughs> We got plenty. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the uh, the serious actress. Oh shucks, I think she's up for an uh, for an Oscar for best actress. Oh, is it for um? Okay, what was it? The- Michelle Yeoh. Michelle, yes, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, 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 yeah. For oh. I can't think of the movie, but uh, she's and she's now she's doing movies which aren't necessarily Asian related, right? But other roles, so you that's, know, and that's like um, a goal that like I'm striving for too. It's like not just like. Um, having Asian roles for like Asian actors, and like, and same thing with Latinos as well. Like any mm-hmm. like thing, I think it's like important to kind of like offer opportunities for like all types of roles for like you know whatever show it is. Like mm-hmm. to be inclusive. Um, I don't want to speak too much on this, but like I'm um, like I do know that there was a San Jose theater company that um, has been accused about like. Um, casting only people well, like white actors in their show and oh i think i've heard about this was yeah. this um it was a musical um yeah well yeah they have course line maybe i don't know if it was course line it uh, wasn't a course line i thought i don't know the name of the musical for this one yeah because they they got it's the second time the first one was into the woods yeah it was that one and I don't want to like speak like too harshly on that, but I will say, yeah, but you're not the only one. Go ahead. <clears throat> but I will say that you know, like, to be in a position like that where like you had the opportunity to cast people of color in that, yeah. that's where I'm kind of like, we we definitely. Need... I had a friend who like um, what was it Curtis? Yeah, Curtis Man. Yeah, we know, we know Curtis Man. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, was yeah. A previous guest on here months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we had to talk about it, too. And it's like, it comes down to this. Because he talked about, um, you know, like, how would you feel in a position where you're cast in a show where, like, there's primarily, like, dominated by white actors. Mm-hmm. And you being a person of color, you're only cast, you feeling like you're only cast because you have the diversity card to you. Right, exactly. As if it's affirmative action, like, oh my God, we need to color it up. Okay, let's get an Asian person. Let's right, person. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, like, I hope that, you know, like, that's never the case. And I've mm-hmm. always said it's like, to me, like, the way that I look at it, like, if you as a, like, company, like, choose to go this route of just, like, you know, casting these type of people. And I have no no problem with, like, you know, like, I'm not saying, like, white actors can't be there and stuff. I think it should be inclusive. Right. Absolutely. 100% inclusive. Right. But I think if you're actively, like, trying to stifle that, the, stifle the process, progress of, like, mm-hmm. allowing people of color to be in those roles of other cultures, and it's like, okay, like, you can do that. Just know that I'm not going to put my money like to like going to your show in the first place. Exactly. Because and it's and it's, yeah. to, and it's it's also I mean in the Bay Area community you, you can't even say well we couldn't find any you know people of color. Oh that is down. yeah it is ridiculous. <laughs> There's tons of people of color who can play any role, Absolutely. any any particular role. So it's it's I can understand if you can make that argument. Let's say if you're a, in you're in Utah and yeah. you're trying to I don't know cast someone of color and it's hard to find someone right you can't make that excuse here in the bay area yeah we're in the bay area like, right <laughs> we're the melting pot of like 
all exactly. these different cultures, man. Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, how did you, uh, because you mentioned uh, Curtis and he talked about, yeah. you know, um, Plethos and, you know, and yeah. w- was your first time connecting with Plethos with uh, four men? Was that the first time or no? Or uh, first that- time, so the first time I connected with Plethos was um, actually in the Heights. In the Heights, right. Yeah. And I did a backstage work for that show. So story on that is um, basically um, I auditioned for their very first, like, you know, mm-hmm. musical and I was like... Oh man, in the heights—that's a great show. I'm gonna yeah. do that. And um, needless to say, I'm—I'm I'm just gonna say right here. Um, I um, the night before that, I was like, I was at a party, and I—I uh, <laughs> I had a little bit of a hangover going into the oh, audition. Yeah, I hear you. I am deeply sorry. I, I kind of ruined the, <laughs> the yeah the fairy tale right there. But no, I. But, you know, I pulled through, and I had, like, such a, like, fun time auditioning, and, um, you know, I didn't get into the show, um, but I was grateful for the experience, um, and I knew Curtis from that show, right? I knew Curtis going all the way back 2015. Mm-hmm. He was in my very, very first theater class. Wow. That's, I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. And he's grown amazingly as well. I yeah. mean, because he's talked about how, you know, just... You know, he getting roles, and he talked about his playing James Baldwin, yeah. and how that sort of changed him, and his family's watching him, right? And, and how that was a momentous thing for him. That was great, yeah. And the best thing about like you know being around him was like you know he kind of got started like around that time. So as he was beginning, I was like also beginning, mm-hmm. and I will I'll admit I'll be the first to admit here I was a very like immature like. Um, Immature person at the time, and a lot of that was because, like, you know, I came back to theater after like a three-year hiatus because I just took so many theater classes. I was like, okay, this is—I'm getting the acting bug again. Mm-hmm. And you know, like when I when the audition thing happened, and I kind of felt like, man, I should have like you know like had more control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what it took was basically. Curtis asked me to like if he can get a ride and he paid for like gas and stuff. I went to the rehearsal, talked to like Corinne. She remembered me from like auditions and like, you know, we talked about like, you know, letting me be backstage. And I'm like, yeah, I'm down. And it was such a wonderful, humbling experience, honestly, because I got to like, you know, be around that environment. I got to work like one of my first shows outside of it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like, Open my eyes in terms of like you know just trying to like you know like really trying to mature in the like in the way that any actor should yeah because yeah I, that was like the beginnings of like I should make this like a career like maybe and like so I auditioned for Men in Paris and that audition went well I didn't get in but they offered me a spot to be in the um, as an assistant stage manager. Mm-hmm. Which I'm and very I, grateful for. <laughs> I am very grateful for that. And I said, I am more than happy to take the um, position. I'm more than well, like more than ready for that. And mm-hmm. man, like for me, like just to be around that environment, being around those like actors, like Four Men in Paris, Four Men in Paris is like one of the most like it was a fun experience. It was a great experience. It's just being around all like like my peers in yeah. that time. Oh my god, I like. You know, like, because for me, like, at that time, I think, like, even Norman has said this, like, I was not as, like, talkative as, like, I am now. Right. But I was an observer. 
and I was definitely like, you know, kind of picking my moments of like, you know, like things like, like when it came to like, you know, learning certain aspects about the script, you know, I would just like, you know, kind of like learn from that and just like, you know, how we like the most rewarding thing for me to work backstage. And I think for any actor is that mm-hmm. you being around that environment, you know, how like um, how the structure of like theater works. That's yeah. that, and that's what I love because I love everything about just like the whole process, whether it's like what we do in rehearsals on stage or like how lighting works and how we like you know like work on cues and stuff. So yeah, no, I I totally agree. And you know when I came out of school, I I basically did a lot of tech stuff. I did tech stuff in New York and I did tech stuff when I came here to to the Bay Area. And um, because I didn't have anything on my resume, so I was like, well, maybe just do tech. And a lot of times tech paid more than the actors. Oh, yeah. Um, That's what they but, tell you. Yeah, and you learn a lot. It's a type of education you don't get in the classroom. You get to see good theater. You get to see bad theater. Absolutely. You get to see, you get to see really crappy performances. You get to see, let's say, there was one production where you know there was almost a fight between the actors. And <laughs> we, um, you know, but it, it, ta- it teaches you how to build good theater or what mistakes not to make. You know, one of the cool things about being off stage is you get to watch someone else's mistake or someone else's right. accomplishment and without having to experience that on your own. And then by the time you get on stage, you're like, okay, now I, I have an idea of, of what's, you know, how to do it. Right, right, exactly. And yeah, like for me, like that's probably like you hit a nail on the point. It's like, and what was so great about it, again, it was like those actors, like, we see bad theater, we see good theater, and that was really great theater. Like, I mean, from, from like, top to bottom, when you have, like, actors like uh, Curtis, for example, mm-hmm. and, like, Kim Donovan. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's, she was amazing in that, Pre, of course. Yeah. Um, Angelo. Was, I hope yeah, I that's get, right. Yeah. Shay Angelo, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. those guys. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Speaking of which... Talk to me about Picasso. How did you get uh-huh. that? And how was that experience? Oh my god! One of the most wonderful. Like it's the most fun I've ever had on stage. It's like probably. I mean, I have some. I like. I love a lot of the roles that I've had like before, and I wouldn't put that definitely at the top. And I put that at the top for like basically the most fun I've ever had, like in terms of performance. Because mm-hmm. what, what was the, what was the play about? Okay, the place is a. The play is like a, um, it's a full comedy written by Steve Martin, and it was like, it simply, it's the idea of like, what would happen if like the two geniuses, Albert Einstein and Picasso, met? Mm. It's at this like um, bar that they both been in, been in like in real life. Uh-huh. They, they they never met each other in real life, but like. Yeah. The comedy of it is, like, the idea of, like, you know, these are two geniuses. Like, he, like, um, Einstein is, like, a scientist. We don't know what he does. Right. Picasso, this great artist. Yeah. And then we're talking about, like, oh, like, my art is superior and stuff. And it's, like, deals with all these themes about, like, generals in society as well. It's, Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God. So, yeah. So, they spend the entire time, like, talking about the arrival of Picasso. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just the funny thing about like the the Picasso like um, arc was mm-hmm. the fact that like um, there were two women characters in the shows that he slept with. And <laughs> oh, oh, that's right, that's right, because he was a sort of a womanizer. Well, I mean, he had a lot of fun. He had, yeah, he, had a lot of fun. <laughs> he did have a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. that, was, that was like 
You know how they say, like, the best thing about acting is just playing a person that you're not in real life? That's, like... That's Picasso. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was, like, so much fun. That was, like, probably, again, one of the most, like, fun experiences I had on stage. Because it was, like... Because it was, like, full-blown comedy. It's just, like, there's more room to just kind of, like, you know, experiment Mm -hmm. with certain things. And I think, like, for me... Somebody said this, like... The one thing that I learned a lot about it as an actor is how much, not just, like, how an actor, like, can interpret a character, but how much they bring into it. Yeah. So, I did, like, everything in the script as it, like, you know, as intended, as written, and then there was, like, two things I introduced to it that made the um, mm-hmm. the role unique in the way that I did it. It was two things. It was the fact that I did the accent... Because ah, oh, that's right. You know, he is from Mexico, or is he, um, he's Latino, Spain, Spain. Okay, yes. yeah, he was Spanish, and um, I think um, the direction at the time from the director, and understandably so, is that you know when you do a show, right, mm-hmm. and you're trying to like work with accents, you either have to go all in, yeah, or you just don't do it at all, right. And I think like because some of the other accents in the show, like Albert Einstein, like I think was just it would have like. Considering that the show is taking place in France, right? Yeah. It would have been difficult to, like, you know, have French accents and stuff. So we originally started off with just having no accents at all. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as we went along in the rehearsal process, some people were, like, you know, putting the accents back in because it was required. Yeah. I was adamant. I'm like, I'm going to do this accent. I, I feel like you cannot do Picasso, the role of Picasso, without being a Spanish accent. Right. And, um, you know, my director, Jacob, basically said, like, if you, if you can do it, you can do it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll let you know if, like, if it doesn't work out. And I was consistent with it, so we kept it. And I think that made the character, like, so much, like, more authentic. Right on. That was, that was an important thing to me. And it was just funny, like, especially because I haven't... I don't believe... No, I've done accents before, but, like, not, like, as, like, a Latin accent. Part of it was, like, I love, like, you know, representing anything Latino. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was it was just a fun challenge for me. Yeah, no, no, that's fantastic. And the minute I saw it on Facebook, I was like, wow, look at Max Chang. He's doing, you know, this cool thing. And the pictures look great. They're great. Thank you. Thank you. I hope they look good. Yeah. How how has the uh, comedy thing been? I mean, is that did, was it uh, a big transition to say, hey, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to going to do it? You know, at first it was, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it was definitely like I want to say like a hard transition because I feel like I've had brushes where I'm like, it's kind of very similar. Mm-hmm. It's kind of very similar. Like as an actor transitioning to stand up comedy for me, I, I this is like a weird take that not a lot of other people have, but this is my take. Yeah. For me, I find it easier to be doing stand-up comedy than it is actually on stage. And a lot of that is because, um, like, as an actor, I love, like, you know, just interpreting a script and performing on stage. But, you know, there's so much that goes into it that you're just kind of like, there's pressure. It's good pressure. Yeah. But there's definitely, like, you know, like, a certain system where you're kind of like, okay, you got to, like, you know, remember these lines. You got to, like, you Mm -hmm. know, learn all these technical aspects. And what stand-up comedy has done for me is that, especially as a writer, yeah. that's that's the key thing. It's like, it got me to be, like, more creative. And 
like, since I'm, like, kind of a little bit used to, like, you know, commitment on stage, because they'll teach you in stand-up comedy, like, you gotta, like, you know, be committed 100%. I've seen, like, people in open mics where they apologize for, like, oh, I'm gonna work on this joke, and I'm like, no, don't apologize, man. Right, right. Because, yeah, I I imagine the greatest fear is you tell something, or let's say you go hard in on one joke, Mm -hmm. and the audience doesn't get it. I mean, I don't think that comedy is one of those things, especially stand-up comedy, it really is a back and forth. It's a call and response between the mm-hmm. audience and the and the um, and you. Like right. there may be a joke that you have in your mind, but you're like, oh, I don't know if this audience is down for it, so maybe I need to. Or maybe you're like, you know what, the hell with it. I'm just going to put it out there. Oh my god, and that's the thing too. Like you know the uh, the one similar thing is like when you have um, in theater, right? Yeah, you're gonna get like a certain reaction for some lines, mm-hmm. and sometimes it just doesn't land. Yeah, but the thing is, you don't. You, you don't. You can't do anything about it. You just roll right through the scene. So right, like, right, exactly. Like I'll admit, like when I'm like when I'm like, singing a joke, it's like ha, they laughed at they laughed at it. And then next night, I'm like I say the line again, they nobody reacts. I'm like ha, I'm sad on the inside. <laughs> Not like in stand up comedy, it's mm-hmm. like you have no choice but to be committed to it. And I right. feel, I mean, if you say a joke that doesn't land. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to know that, like, you know, like, how would I put it? It's like, nobody knows that you're going to fail. They can think, they can know what's a bad joke, but they're mm. not going to know that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And they're there for you. They're there to laugh. They want, yeah. they want you to succeed. They're not against you. So Absolutely. And that's the thing that I think really, like, what stand-up comedy has helped me in terms of performance is to, like, it's two things. It's, like, being committed, like, mm-hmm. 100%. And then just presence in general, because that's, like, the one thing that, like, I've really learned a lot just from doing, like, a lot of these, like, comedy open mics. It's just kind of, like, you know, it's essentially like acting, because you're, like, you're really hard a character when you're on stage. So mm-hmm. you have, like, ways to experiment, like, with, like, different um, variations of how you want to do your comedy. You can mm-hmm. do it dry, or you can do it completely comedic, or whatever. Yeah. But it's always about presence, and like you know, when you have those five minutes, or like yeah, or more minutes, whatever you get, like you're like basically in control of that room. Yeah, I had a teacher. Uh, he's passed. I think he passed away this year. Mm. But he basically says you need to seize the stage, seize the moment. Absolutely. And I think in comedy. It's more true than even in, in regular theater where, you know, you've got a mic and you've got an audience. You've got to, you know, be there and just command the stage and just right. be there. Right. And I this is the one thing, like, Dave Chappelle, one of my favorite comedians. Oh, yeah. He said this, like, and it rings true. It's like, you don't have to be funny, but you have to be interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, I can dig that. I can yeah. totally dig that. By the way, Dave Chappelle... Duke Ellington School of the Arts. He graduated uh, four years after me. Right? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never, I never met him. But that's uh, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, where do you see yourself? Because we've uh, it's twelve, so I want to you know be respectful of your time. Where do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to? I don't know. Go mm. to New York. Go to Hollywood. Oh man. Uh, launch your YouTube channel and you know and oh. just you know do your comedy thing like Bill Burr. He has a you know he has like a comedy thing. He's got even a podcast where he's throwing out his jokes and stuff like that so right i'll I'll tell you right now man it's like the the coolest thing about like the last five or seven years that i've like been like doing this in terms of like because i've done it for like about let me think it's like since 2008 so that would have been like maybe 14 i'm going on 15 next year for like like since i started doing acting Mm. when i started it was just for me like 
all I thought about was acting. Yeah. And then it got me to like all these different avenues from working acting. Like one of the coolest thing about like going to Chabot College is they had an emerging works program where they allowed Chabot. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a Linda, a Linda Amayo Hassan as a teacher? I did. Yeah. She's fantastic. She is fantastic. Yeah, but like all of them were fantastic. Devasan, Rachel Lapel, mm-hmm. uh, Joel over there too. Like, and they have a couple like now. Dee Dee, great, mm-hmm. and uh, Margo. Like, they're all phenomenal. Like, top of the tier, like professors. Yeah, that honestly, like, they really do care a lot about their students, and they have a lot of programs like to set up their success. For me, like Emerging Works program was mm-hmm. like a big thing for me because that's where I got started in writing. So I never like imagined myself like doing anything other than acting, but it's because like I, I it was me trying to search for that. So the coolest thing about like the last like um, few years has been that it got me to like all these different avenues. So now like you know like just because of, like I just started acting, now I've gotten to like um, obviously stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to um, writing because um, now, like, this year, I finally wrote my first full-length play, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I've, um, yeah, and it, it's just dabbling in, like, all these other, like, multimedia content. I do sketch videos, like, <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm dabbling in all these different areas where I'm like, oh my god, I can, Yeah. it, it doesn't just have to be one thing. I like doing all these different things. So, like, in the the question about where do I see myself five years about doing this, like, um, I mean, I just want to, like, curate as much content as possible. Whether, like, I'm on stage, if I'm on film, if I'm doing, like, you know, um, anything at all. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like, I just want to do it. Like, my big goal in life, and I've, like, said this multiple times, like, I want to own a production company. That's my I big... Yeah. That's my big dream. Because, like, for me, like, the most important thing, the most rewarding thing for me is not even just for myself, but, like, collaborating with other people, other talented people. Mm -hmm. And I want to be in a position where I can curate, like, you know, art, curate, like, all these different, like, you know, projects. So, um, on the individual thing, um, acting-wise, like, I just want to, like, just keep doing as much as I can. Um... I know, like, like L.A. is, like, the scene where you go in terms mm-hmm. of, like, film and stuff. So, yeah, I do see myself there. And part of me also wants to go to New York, too, because they've got, like, some mecca of culture over there. And yeah. Have, like, have you traveled any 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 of those places? I uh, L.A., yes. Okay. I have not gone to New York, and that's still a dream of mine. Yeah, not yet. You'll, not yet. you'll get there. I'll yeah. get there. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I'm just... Like working on just trying to travel around and trying to just kind of like you know build a name on there. So yeah, yeah, I just keep on writing, keep on acting, keep yeah. on performing. But it sounds like Bay Area theater has treated you well. Like you're oh. getting roles and you're getting recognition. Right, you're yeah. not a frustrated actor. I'm. I don't. I'm not a frustrated actor. I can be frustrated like sometimes. <laughs> well, we can always as want we, more as we all. <laughs> yeah, as we all. But like honestly, the, this is the thing for me too. It's like I'm very grateful for every single opportunity because I think the most important thing is to be humble. Like uh, the role that I have now, uh, Christmas at the Biltmore. That was right. Yeah, the thing about that um, about that show was that I got the called to do that show just based on like I worked with a previous director and he knew her and he wanted to like you know like return the favor and he mm-hmm. saw like what I was doing and it's what I was like for it's like for me like I think like 
in terms of actors having an ego and all that kind of stuff, it's like I believe that you should have confidence. Yes. But you should always remain humble because, like, you know, like, for me, like, getting those opportunities, like, you know, those are things you don't take for granted. Right. And I, and I think that's just an important thing for me. That's why I'm always very thankful and humble on, like, everybody that's, like, given me a platform to perform. So that's kind of, like, how I run through life. I think you should always, like, keep yourself humble and, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You need the balance of having confidence in yourself. That's the pride. Mm-hmm. But also know that you can always learn more. <clears throat> and be thankful of the, of the opportunities that you have and take advantage of those opportunities. Right. Right on. All righty. There are a couple of birthdays and there are a couple of shows that are going on. Nice. David Patino. I think you may know David Patino. Oh, my God. Happy birthday, <laughs> David. His birthday was yesterday, the 5th. Uh, he, um, I know I know. Plethos is doing tiny, beautiful yeah. things. I believe he's in that. Yeah, they they recently finished a show. I got to work uh, sound design for that show. Right and, on. Yeah, and like David's such a phenomenal actor. Yeah, no, David. I uh, when I just before COVID hit, we were going to do tiny beautiful things at Plethos, and uh, of course COVID shut that down. And David was cast, and I got to you know be in the rehearsal with him, space mm. with him. So happy birthday, David. Well, mm-hmm. post birthday. Also, uh, Terry Sullivan. His birthday uh, was yesterday, November the fifth. Terry Sullivan, he was a part of the Douglas Morrison Theater before Douglas Morrison shut down. He was sort of the administrator, and he's one of those guys. He's not on stage. He's not really backstage, but he helps people get paid. Right. So I want to, you know, uplift him. Uh, Catherine Park, we've uh, talked about her. Her birthday will be on the 7th, which is tomorrow. A fantastic singer and actress, and she was on the Yay last week. So I want to uplift her. Uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find some. Um, Joseph Leonardi. I acted with him. He was in Wonder in the World slash Sick, which uh, we did. Uh, I was a part of a theater company called Eastenders Repertory Company, and uh, he was a longtime member of that. His birthday will be on the 9th, which is a couple of days from now. Happy birthday, Joseph. And is that it? I have an aunt, Donnelly Clay. Aunt Donna, if you're listening, happy birthday to you. Uh, let's see. Valerie Week, uh, she's part of the Bay Area Theater community. She um, she has also a program, or at least she did have a program, to make sure that there were enough representation of women in Bay Area Theater. And she gave us, the A, a challenge to interview more women. Mm-hmm. And so we took up with that challenge, and I think half of our interviews have been women. So uh, Valerie Week, happy birthday to you. Uh, her birthday is the 10th. Uh, a good friend of mine who graduated with me from Duke Ellington, Jen Furlong, her birthday will be on the 10th. A fantastic actress, and I believe her children, uh, I think she's living in the Midwest now, are involved in acting. So happy birthday to you. And I think that is it. And there are some shows that I want to push. Um, oh, also, before I do that, a good friend of mine, Debbie Lynn Carragher, uh, this week is the has been announced as the new artistic director of Half Moon Bay Shakespeare Company. So I want to say congratulations to Deb. And uh, I'll be sending you my resume because, you know, <laughs> you always need actors. So uh, congratulations to uh, to Deb Carragher for that. And she's been on the aim plenty of times. A couple of shows, Adventures in Place, the Exit Theater. And the Exit Theater, is, it'll be one of their last shows before they close down. They right. basically asked actors to and creatives to 
share plays, um, poems um, about their experiences during COVID-19. And so this week, uh, or at least on the 16th, Nassim Badi will be doing a piece that she's written called Windows, Walks, Basketball, and Aunts. So check that out on the 16th. The very next day, the 17th, uh, Jerome Gentes, who used to run um, Play Cafe slash Musical Cafe, he's coming up and he's originally, he's in L.A., but he'll be coming up on the 17th. And he has a piece called Catholic Tastes in Oral History. So you can check that out. And then on the 19th, Robert Estes, who runs uh, Anton's Well, will be doing How Could You Allow? And he wrote that piece. So check out the Exit Theater there. I have a link. So click on the link and you'll see all of those shows. And keep in mind, the Exit, this is it. After this, I have no idea what's going to happen to the Exit. I think they're going to convert it to, I don't know, a um, a, a housing. You know, a lot of these theaters are just going. So cherish these moments when you can. Theater Rhinoceros has a slice of life that is going on. They opened yesterday. And they will close on the 27th. John Fisher wrote and is directing the show. And a good friend of mine, Christine Wren, designed the poster. She designed many of the posters that I have on my wall right now. Very, very talented. So check out A Slice of Life at the Theater Rhino. Sixth Street Playhouse has uh, a thing called The River Bride. That will be going on. It opened uh, this week weekend. November the 3rd, and it'll be running until November the 20th. Terrence Smith, a good friend of mine, is in that show. So check that out. Also, a good friend of mine, Marty Pistone, is directing it. I worked with Marty when we were in Off-Broadway West. So check out The River Bride. Also, a nice family gathering that's being done at the Alterina Theater. Uh, That will be running until November the 20th. Uh, Kimberly Ridgway, a good friend of mine, she's also been on The A. She's directing the show. Marin Theater Company is doing two trains running. That'll be running from November the 25th through December the 18th. Don Monique Williams is directing the show, and Kari Moy will be in it, so check that out. Uh, Clue is running at the Center Rep Theater. That'll be running until November the 20th. Dorian Lockett is in that show, so check that out. Theater Works is doing Little Shop of Horrors. That'll be um, from November the 30th. To December the 24th, a good friend of mine, Jeffrey Lowe, is directing that show, so check that out. The Presidio Theater is doing Sleeping Beauty. That'll be December the 3rd through the 30th. Echo Yamamoto, who has been in literally everything, and she's been on the A twice. Uh, she's in the show, and also Sharon Shaw is in the show, so check that out. Uh, also, a show that I'll be participating in. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have a rehearsal later on today. That'll be the Baldwin Project. That'll be part of mm. Playground San Francisco's 2022 Innovator Showcase. You dropped some money there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget your money. Yeah. Um, yeah, Playground San Francisco is doing the 2022 Innovator Showcase where they are showcasing new pieces um, which are very, very culturally diverse. And we're opening that show tomorrow on monday that'll be the baldwin project because it is it's the 100th anniversary of james baldwin oh and what's and up I, Max? and i didn't want to say on that i got to collaborate on that and i want to say that it's a it's a wonderful project and i think you everybody should come out and support it like right on yeah, yeah. no 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 it's, it's awesome and i'm so glad that we're doing that we'll be reading pieces from um giovanni's room and also pieces from uh before the dream so mm. You'll get to see, you know, a little bit of the writings and the uh, the deep emotions of James Baldwin, who is still relevant right now. So check that out. That'll be tomorrow. But also in the, and 
a part of the Innovator Showcase will be La Vida Lobo. That'll be on November the 26th and 27th. Linda Amayo-Hassan, your former mm-hmm. teacher, mm-hmm. Uh, wrote the play. Uh, Katya Rivera will be directing it. Uh, on the 13th through the 15th, there's a piece called For My Lobo, at the, uh, which is produced by the Chickahan Theater Company. Uh, that'll be premiering on November the 13th through the 15th, part of the showcase. Eli Sonny Orkiza uh, wrote and directed the piece. Um, also on November the 18th through the 20th, another part of the Playground San Francisco Innovator Showcase will be Charles Dahlren, Her True Story. Um, and the company that's producing that is the Latinx Mafia. And Latita Duarte is in that show, so check that out. Check out playground slash San Francisco.org incubator. And we have a click, um, a, a link that you can click to check that out. Um, West Valley Light Opera is doing something rotten. That opened yesterday. Then we'll be continuing through December the 3rd. Melissa Mambuis is in that show, so check that out. Uh, Pony at the Cutting Ball Theater. That's the show that I was talking about. I thought it was at the um, Shotgun is actually a Cutting Ball. But in any case, uh, that is still going on. That'll be ending November the 13th. It's gotten excellent reviews. Kieran Bishia is directing the piece and Julie Coabara is in the piece. So check that out. Uh, and it's about uh, the trans, uh, the life of trans uh, people who are trans. And so that's uh, something that we need to to educate ourselves about. The Coastal Repertory Theater is doing Christmas in Oz. That'll be from December the 1st through the 18th. Danny Martin, that'll be his directorial debut. He's a good friend of mine, and I've been on stage with him, and he's been on the A. So check that out. The Women's Annex is still running um, at Central Works. Uh, Elizabeth Carter is directing that show. That'll be ending November the 13th. I think they may may have gotten an extension. But check out, click on the link, and you will find out more about the Women's Annex. Uh, Gypsy is being played at 42nd Street Moon. That'll, that opened on this weekend, and it ends November the 14th. Mara Sotelo is in that show, so check that out. And finally, the Contra Costa Musical Theater is doing the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. That opened this weekend, and it ends on the 20th. Stephen McLeod is co-directing the play, and a good friend of mine, Paul Plain, is in the play. I met both Stephen McLeod and Paul Plain when we were doing... Uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. We did that at the um, Town Hall Theater. But in any case, yeah, check that out, www.ccmt.org. And there are a couple of podcasts that you should check out. Uh, Barry Graves, who was Ooh. our... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who was our um, James? Who was our uh, my God? Richard Wright, informant in Paris. He has a podcast called The Black Man's Heart. So check that out on all podcast apps. Mallory Samara, our consulting producer, her day job is KCBS Radio, and she has a weekly news podcast called Connect the Dots. So check that out. Central Works has a um, a podcast called The Central Works Script Club. It's a podcast where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright. It's delivered semi-annually, and you can find the Central Works Script Club on any podcast app. And finally, Bindlestiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. Check out the Fobcast on any podcast app. And finally, 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 (laughs) we have Yay Jerseys. So check if you want to get a Yay Jersey. I've been posting people who've been wearing the jerseys. White, black, um, they're $30 if you want to support the show. And that is it. 
Max, did you enjoy yourself? Oh, of course I did. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The first time that I've ever done a podcast interview. It's like, hey, it's a real, it's a real experience. Yeah, yeah, no, man. Thank you so much. It's a Sunday um, morning. No, morning. Now it's afternoon. So yeah. I'm glad that you uh, took the time, and it was great to catch up with you again. And uh, right. once again, you, you're doing so many fantastic things. So yeah. uh, it's, it's awesome. I want to do one uh, quick thank you too. Sure. I want to say thank especially Plateau's Productions because they're like. Plethos Hon- is awesome. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Without them, I wouldn't be like able to get these opportunities like out like because like they gave me a platform to like, you know, work amongst like like the best like people, whether that be actors or mm-hmm. people in the theater industry or now comedians too. Like I, I wanna give a quick shout out to them. Like now, Corinne and John Ritchie, they've mm-hmm. created they didn't just create a theater production, they yeah. created a community. Where people can, you know, express themselves as a safe community. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, people are, I mean, I have everything to thank them for. You know, I became a published writer and I got my first full-length production through them. And I'm, I understand they are incubating other budding writers Absolutely. and actors. And, you know, they, they do a wonderful job. It's, it's a mom-and-pop shop, but they do amazing things. They're, they're so amazing. Alrighty, well, uh, thank you so much. We are on all podcast apps. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're even on the um, the Amazon uh, podcast. Just go on at music.amazon.com, search for the end, you'll find us. We're also on Overcast, Spotify, SoundCloud. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're on uh, the A3. That's our official Twitter feed. Uh, I'm at Reg Space Clay. Norman is at Hoosier Hoosier. And Max, you're at to the max slash million, right? Yep, to the max underscore. Underscore million. Yeah, yeah. exactly. On Instagram. On Instagram. Um, see, Facebook is just Max O'Chang. If mm-hmm. you want to follow me there. And Twitter, it is Max Presso Comedy. Um, I haven't posted there in a while, but let's see. <laughs> hey, yeah. we're, we're bringing Twitter back. So. I was just thinking, isn't there a... Um, a fast food Chinese thing called Max Chang's? Um, I think it's P.F. Chang's. You know, it is P.F. Chang's. I don't know Chang's. why I thought Max Chang's. But in any case, I think because I'm hungry. Yeah, that's, a, that's a t-shirt idea. Like, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> right on. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign-off. And we are out. <laughs>